What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? Riley, it's going okay. How are you? It's going way better than okay, man. I'm <laughs> on cloud nine over here. Uh, oh, really? I mean, I feel like you <laughs> sound happier other days. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of, like, grilling me about my mental state earlier. <laughs> no, 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 because you, so- like, you sounded not not that happy that's why i was asking you do i do i still sound unhappy i mean it was a long day i was working until until seven which was an hour and a half ago okay (laughs) okay yeah i i don't know for me too it's been a long day but i think it's mostly been due to the fact that you know in the midwest it's starting to get real dark really early so it's like seven o'clock yeah and it was super dark at that point and then (laughs) i felt like like the last two and a half hours I was in this kind of, I don't know, dreamlike state. I feel like <laughs> you're like, in like a fugue even, state. Yeah, I just don't even know like what, where I am, what day of the week it is, what time it is, and all because the weather is changing. Yeah, I mean, I I would say in general I've been like a little down lately. I don't know if like today is abnormally so, but yeah, yeah seasonal sure. depression certainly are like a real thing, man. Like as the daylight hours decrease, it just feels like your style's getting cramped on, you know. Sure, sure. <laughs> yep. For yep. sure. So, so I get it. So what uh makes you on cloud nine? Uh nothing really. I was just I was just kinda saying it, you know. <laughs> kind of <laughs> trying to boost the vibes a little bit. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I mean there's a lot to be excited about. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean I'm i I'm kinda of the belief, um and this is like mental health outstanding but like that your attitude like informs like your reality right so yeah uh you know the, if you make something good then you know it'll be okay at least right so always look on the bright side of life but there is more than plenty going on in the world um we're fresh into players cup two we gave a lot of street cred to that last well, i don't know if street cred's right word, but we gave a lot of lip service to it last week um so we'll definitely mm-hmm. talk about that uh, and we're fresh off of the Full Grip Online Series event number two. So That's right. another successful event in the books. Super exciting to see that. So I think we can combine those two things and get a really interesting take on how the format's developing and what kind of things you can do moving forward. So sure. absolutely. Let's take it from the top with the Full Grip Online Series. So yesterday was the second event in the Full Grip Online Series, and we saw actually a pretty substantial shift in how the meta ended up shaking out at the end of the day. It was really interesting to see, actually. I thought it was really fascinating. And so Andrew Mahone took it home with the Lucario Mel Metal deck. Very cool. Had an awesome gameplay there in the last round, if you saw that. Um, yes. Beating Daniel Altavilla in the last round with his um, Psychic Mewtwo. Very Malamar Mewtwo-esque, but relying now on the Rotom. Um from Cosmic Eclipse, I think, that accelerates two psychic energy from the discard on attack. Yeah, so, exactly. GW, you having the overhead view of how all this was shaking out over the event, what was the what was the cause of the shift? Like, what happened between events that all of a sudden made these decks so good? Was it they were undiscovered before, just underplayed? Or was the style of the decks being played more in their favor? Yeah, well, you still saw ADPZ and Eternatus be very well represented, but the real 
confusing newcomer was the Luke Metal Zashin, which, I mean, has been seeing some some success uh, recently, but it was like last week where it's really started to pick up steam, not just in the Full Grip Online series, but also in many other tournaments uh, that are being hosted online. And yeah. there was one tournament, I believe it was uh, a Hexter tournament where there were like six Lucario Mel Metals in the top 32, and that is just <laughs> ridiculous for a deck that before that had some finishes, certainly was in the conversation, but uh, didn't have quite the representation. And so lists are becoming a little bit better. Uh, people are discovering that the deck has a very favorable Eternatus matchup and a pretty solid ADPZ matchup, just kind of depending on certain techs uh, in both of those decks, but having favorable matchups or or at least winnable matchups against those two while also being able to control a lot of the uh, rest of the decks in the format. Make Lucario Melmetal a really popular choice. I think also players are playing Lucario Melmetal because it can accommodate Crushing Hammer if they opt to go for that route. Uh, Andrew didn't play Crushing and Hammer in his list, which is, you know, important to note, but there are some Lucario Melmetals that play Crushing Hammer. And then um, it's also good for, you know, just blocking generally the um, the VMAXs. So you give yourself a shot against Santa Scorch and Dragapult and things like that. And also, wow, I've like almost lost my train of thought twice on this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also, you're not running these uh, liability Pokemon for the ADP sure. to just eat up on the bench, which I think is another uh, really big benefit to this deck. It feels like there are a lot of ways for you to outplay your opponent. Like, you're just giving yourself a lot of time via the Metal Goggles and the Full Metal Wall GX. You're giving yourself a lot of time to try to position yourself to win the game. So, of all the decks that are being played right now, this is the least linear in its gameplay and that lends itself to having more decisions in a game and uh you know more ways to outplay your opponent yeah i've always said uh, time and time again that the the longer a game goes on the more opportunities there are for decisions to be made the more likely it is that the better player will win and i think lucario on my metal definitely feeds into that to a certain extent uh, you mentioned not having the liability pokemon I would argue, though, there's also the, the flip side of that where you don't have immediate access to certain tools via Pokemon Search. And that's something that I've always disliked about Lucario Metal. But it it does come with the big pro, though, where, you know, now all of a sudden you get, you know, Mawile GX turn one, the infamous Mawile GX. Yeah. And you don't feel as crappy about it. Uh, there still right. are, like, genuine Mawile situations. Like, if they pluck a, a Zacian that you can't metal goggles like that could actually flip a game for sure but there's so you have so much more control over how <laughs> how many of those guys are in your hand um, right <laughs> you know when you're talking with like uh, adp mirror or something you could easily lose the game turn one off a mile um yeah and and right and not even like and the opponent doesn't even blink an eye because that's like actually just their strategy is to try to get yeah. you into a hand that has that you know has a Dedenne in it and then they win because all because they just brought it out of your hand on the first turn and so you don't have that liability with Lucario Melmetal of course you can always just still get run off the board by ADP it's not like a fail safe by any means and I don't think the matchup is like extremely one-sided for either deck I would consider it about a 50-50 just kind of depending on how fast each deck can get set up but uh, it's certainly 
a it's certainly a deck that players have started to take more seriously and um you know it's definitely been showing in the results it's got um obviously this win it's done well at a number of other online tournaments and um you know certainly if you haven't tried this deck it's it's a deck that I personally like for the Players' Cup. Like, I played it a little bit myself for the Players' Cup. I got a nice win in my first tournament with the Lucario Melmetal deck, uh, beating an ADP with the help of Galarian Stunfisk. There it is. Attacking <laughs> into an ADP for the win. And uh, I played it a few other times and, and got some decent finishes, but it would certainly be a deck that I would be comfortable taking uh, to a tournament and playing in the Players' Cup. Yeah, for sure. So... Awesome deck. I'm sure all the folks who have been pining after Lucario Melmetal Zacian are feeling really good right now. <laughs> you know, there's always been that crowd, right? The crowd that always yeah. thought that Lucario Melmetal was the better way to play Zacian. Sure, sure, and absolutely. Right now, for sure. There's, I mean, there's definitely some, uh, there's definitely some merit to that. And again, uh, the numbers right now, there are magic numbers right now of you know 220, uh, 260, right, which are both kind of numbers that the Zacian and the Lucario metal have, but then you play the tool, you play the, uh, the G you use the GX attack and all of a sudden you're able to kind of get out of the way of the opposing ADP Zacians. And so it's just a, it, it's an interesting deck that kind of plays with the numbers, um, in, in a unique way. We also saw the psychic Mewtwo show up. Uh, yeah. so we had four psychic Mewtwo's outside of the big, you know, three there, ADP, um, Eternatus and then Lucario Melmetal. We had four Mewtwo's as four psychic Mewtwo's as the number four played deck in the full group series, which was very interesting. I got to commentate a little bit over Danny a couple of games. And the first game that I commentated over him, he was able to get a donk with the Gengar and Mimikyu. And then the second time I uh, commentated, he was one trainer away from getting the donk on a Zamazenta. So certainly that card in and of itself, putting in a lot of work and, and really like, I, I don't want to say giving the deck viability by itself, but it's like a really strong weapon uh, in those opening turns, uh, particularly against Zacian decks, which tend to, you know, start one or two Pokemon and, and end the turn with a really big hand. So you can take pretty cheap knockouts there early. Yeah. I mean, I, that deck definitely has shown up in waves. I mean, Azul Garcia Griega really leading the charge there. It, do you think there's any other tools that really set it apart in terms of the metagame? I mean, obviously Nightwatch and um, Horror House and Poltergeist are a really strong combination of attacks. Um, but it didn't really show up for a while now. Was it just the fact that people were passing over the, the concept? Or is there any sort of shift that's led to that? Um, I mean, I think when you look at it like, always having a reset stamp or Marnie and then shuffling two cards back in like the, the, the hand control is not something that we've seen in the standard format. And I mean, absolutely harkens to the expanded format where we have Trevin and Dustmore that is, you know, the tier one deck and expanded. So just that hand control, not being something that you see too often in standard, um, just that's probably the best way to do it at this point in time, since we don't have a lot of the control options of the last format, uh, Trevenant and Dustnor can kind of take center stage as being that um, that card that can disrupt the opponent in a very big way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Marnie plus Trevenant and Dustnor is definitely a potent combination. 
Um, the one thing I always hate about that kind of strategy, and I don't think this deck is like inherently reliant on your opponent dead drawing off of like a Marnie, um, right. a Marnie Trevenant Dustmark combo. I think, but it is still so frustrating when you do that to them and they have like <laughs> research plus energy or, or yeah. switch research or whatever they need to. That just feels so awful. It, it doesn't matter if it's like game deciding or not. It just tilts me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's like, it, it's going to happen. And like, you're putting yourself in that position to, you know, get get top decked out of that situation or, or have them have, you know, the one card in the hand that they needed. But yeah, it's going to happen with a deck like that. You know, it just comes sure. with the territory. And that's, not, that's again, that's not a demerit to the deck. Like, that, it's just something that happens. And you right. don't necessarily need your opponent to dead draw to do well with this deck. Um, right. It is definitely just a strong archetype in of itself. It's consistently done well. Over the last couple of days at tournaments with Azul and Danny kind of leading the charge there. Um, right. That's just something that whenever I play a deck like that, I get so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. Um, one cool. uh, one other result that I do want <clears throat> to also mention. Um, you know, we had a couple of eighty, uh, excuse me, Eternatus that also made the top eight. But the one surprise at eighth place at a four and two record, uh, we had Aaron Flynn with their Salamence. So this is the second tournament in Salamence, a row yeah. that Salamence VMAX <laughs> has made a top eight. Of course, in the last tournament, uh, David Negret got a top four with Salamence, and this is pretty much the same list. I, I don't know. There, there's not too many differences here between the two, but uh, congratulations to Aaron. Salamence VMAX, potentially not the most viable deck. I mean, certainly it's, it's not, uh, you know, tier one by any means, but it can hang, it can compete, it does some cute things, uh, and it can hit some big numbers with the powerful energy. Um, so yeah, okay. I don't know if you've thought too much about this deck, but I kind of enjoy it. It's something kind of fresh, kind of new. It's a VMAX that hits hard and uh, sets up pretty consistently, which I like. Yeah, never heard of a VMAX that hits hard and sets up consistently before. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I've, I haven't really put any effort into Salamence, but it's a deck that's really sure. fun to watch. It's like really cool to yeah. see it executed. Um, yeah. So props to all the Salamence fans out there. I want to pose a question to you. Now, we talked a couple weeks ago about kind of off-meta decks that we enjoyed, and you know, it seems like Salamence has at least piqued your interest. Are there any sort of off-the-beaten-path decks that you've found really interesting, um, either in your own gameplay or from these tournaments over the last couple days? Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good question. I mean, for me, off the beaten path as of the last week would have been Lucario Melmetal. It was a deck that I had a little bit of experience with, but uh, really about a week ago, I started kind of putting some real games into it. Played a little bit on stream, uh, played it in the Players Cup for a couple of rounds, and I uh, really have started to, to like that deck. We have a question in the chat about that, saying, uh, what's the key thing that sets that deck apart? Many people thought that the metal frying pan rotation uh, would have been a death sentence to the deck, but um, you still have metal goggles. So essentially the same thing if you're not facing against a fire deck. And I think that that really keeps it um, really keeps it viable. Um, and then, yeah, just the, again, extending the game for as long as that deck can uh, makes it really hard for the opponent to win at certain times, because a lot of decks, you know, you look at ADP um, that deck, really tries to go as fast as possible, as quickly as possible. And sometimes uh, the the negative to that is that there are often games where they only have like one real attacker set up. You know, they only have one Zashin set up because 
uh, generally speaking, in all the other games that they played, they only really need the one Zacian. So, um, you know, Lucario Melmetal plays a little bit more methodically, a little bit more slowly and can set up multiple attackers a little bit more easily and then um, have that kind of consistent staying power to be able to hit into the Zacians over and over and over again, um, kind of take advantage there. And so just the longer the game goes on, the better it is for Lucario Melmetal. And that's just what sets the part in my eyes. Yeah, but that absolutely. would be yeah, that would be that would be one of the decks that I would say uh, has been kind of <laughs> under the radar, I guess. And another one for me that has been under the radar that I have enjoyed and I've heard people do well with is Inteleon. I don't I keep bringing it Always up. Always comes back to Inteleon. You know, I know I, I keep bringing <laughs> it up and it's just we're going to have to change the podcast name to be the Inteleon show. But uh, I have a I have a friend that just messaged me saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well in the in the Players Cup with Inteleon. And I've seen a few people post about that and you know again another another nice deck that uh, that can hang with the big boys yeah for sure uh yeah i'm still stuck in mad party land myself although get out bro get out i'm i'm not gonna take it to any players cup tournaments but it is definitely my favorite <laughs> deck to play um, i do actually really like pikaram and this this goes way back i i mentioned pikaram like a, a while ago right when rotation was hitting and like using Boltund and going deep into that realm, and I, th I think that's actually like kind of a legit strategy. Uh, Vikram mm -hmm. against decks that don't just immediately destroy it uh, really sets up these very dangerous board states very quickly. Um, good example specifically is even against these um, these slower decks like the Metal decks or the Mewtwo deck that don't do a lot of Okoing action. You set up a lot of energy on the board. You set up multiple Pikaroms or multiple big GX Pokemon. Uh, you got Bolton ready on the on the sidelines. It just gets really scary really fast. Uh, I think it's a really strong deck right now, actually. Well, and that's a really interesting transition. We'll get to it in just a second. But uh, Ian Robb has actually been playing a lot of Pikarom. We'll talk about why that matters in just a second. But first, I think it's time for card of the day. Yes. Uh, and so I'm actually doing two cards but it's because it's for a very obvious reason so oh, they're legends no no it's not a oh. legend although that would oh. be funny uh, and a nice little follow-up to last week's uh magnezone dang uh, i love legend cards i do too you know i wasn't playing tcg and actually i was critically this is in my in my phase of life when i was critically disinterested in pokemon this isn't my card of the week but i just have a tangent about legends um, and I heard about Legends, and I was like, this is so absurd. Pokemon is the stupidest game of all time. Uh, it's just so dumb. Uh, and now I'm looking back at them, I'm like, wait, that's so sick. <laughs> Those cards were amazing, bro. The art is like chef's kiss. Like, it's got to feel so, so goofy, cool, though, bro. to pull half a card out of a pack. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they bring something like that. I, I swore that that would be the mechanic for like Gigantamax. Well, I guess Gigantamax is still a mechanic that we can still play, but I thought for sure that would yeah. be, you know, VMAX. <laughs> well, anyway, the, the I'm featuring two cards, and the reason I'm featuring two cards is because only two of them exist for this Pokemon, um, and that is the Pichu Bros. Uh, so if you don't know me, uh, Pichu Bros are like my favorite element of all of pokemon more than the pikachus that i keep behind me on my wall more than rowlet uh, the pichu bros are like my inspiration of my life um way back in the insider forums my name was pichu bro four because pichu bro uh zero through three were taken um <laughs> so yeah 
And it actually, I think it spawned from the Pokemon Channel game where you like progressively unlocked the Peachy Bro shorts, if you've ever played that one. Sure. Um, anyway, they have two cards. They have one, which was a Pop Series card. Um, and that one's really cool. It's really cute. It has just like a 20 damage flip a coin attack uh, for two lightnings. And it has the two little bros chilling. But the better one of the two, actually, in my opinion, it was a P-Series promo in Japan only, um, which was basically the original Black Star promos uh, when Wizards of the Coast was publishing the game. And it has this adorable art. It's the two Pichu Bros. They're chilling. There's flowers. It's so wonderful. It's like some tr- there's trees around them. Um, like really great like desktop wallpaper if you like Pichu. Um, and generally just the Pichu Bros are awesome, man. And it's cool that they've had a card at all um i I like it when they do those little off the cuff kind of things i like the surfing pikachus i like the flying pikachus (laughs) do you have uh that card the japanese one i don't have the japanese only one i do have the pop promo or the pop series one um yeah it's a card that i've always like kind of wanted but just has never come into my immediate vicinity and i'm not much of an ebay hawk so um but is it pretty expensive? I don't think so. It's just, I don't know, actually. I could do a quick check right now because I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. Sure. <laughs> I, I do like when they kind of incorporate kind of outside influences into their cards. I mean, obviously, that's that's a cool thing, right? Because it pulls in different um Oh, different yeah, that sources. is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know why? It's because it, um, it was a promo for the... Uh, I guess they're not always expensive, but some of them are. Can I guess? Can I guess? Well, the first one I saw was very expensive. Now that I'm looking, I'm scrolling through. I'm not sure. Um, Was it a was it a PSA ten or something? No. Ah. Okay. Well, did you go completed listings? Well, that's what I'm about to do. Ah. Um. So, but the reason why my guess is it might be expensive is because it was um. It was one of those movie promo cards that you can only get in Japan by like going to the film. Um, yeah. And so this was for that, I think it was the fifth movie, the one with Latios and Latias. Okay. Um, and the Peachy Bros have a cameo in that film. Uh, so I recommend seeing it for that. <laughs> Just super cool, though. I, I love those off-the-beaten-path cards uh, that feature something a little different, uh, a little wacky. Um, really great for people like myself who just enjoy those small little things. Sure. Sure. <laughs> well, can I guess how much it costs? Sure. All right. You have a number, right? Yeah. I, it depends on if you want to go for like a graded or a regular one. Let's, I mean, is there a PSA 10 or a PSA 9 at least? Yeah, there's a 10. There's a 10? Okay. PSA 10 Pichu Bros. Mm-hmm. From what year? 2002. I'll say, I'll say 1100 Actually, no, it's significantly cheaper than that. It's in, like, the $300 range. Really? Yeah. And like, okay, honestly, when, you say a, when you say a promo that's, like, 20 years old, that's a <laughs> PSA 10, I immediately think, you know, more expensive, but that's surprising. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was easier to get than we're, like, picturing in our heads here. Um, yeah, perhaps. I don't know. I, I tend sometimes with like, you know, somebody says, oh, it's a collector's card. I tend to like overvalue it and like compare everything to Charizard. <laughs> the Charizard but, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Did you get any Champions Path Charizards yet? No, not yet. Not uh, yet. I'm hoping to. I mean, I really want to. I really want to. Have you it's, opened any Champions Path yet? 
No, I have not, bro. I haven't found any. <laughs> I haven't looked, but I haven't found any. Yeah, I haven't looked or found any either. So yeah. I'm kind of hoping for that second print run. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Hidden Fates got bought up so fast and there was a lot of it later on. Sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a similar thing. Sure. Who knows, though? Let's jump in, though, to our bridge. So we went from Picaram to Pichu Bros back to Picaram. And we wanted to talk about Ian Rob because if you were unaware, just hours ago now, Ian Rob finished his um, his run at the Players' Cup. He did all 50 of his, t- of his keys. He's done, got all of his points accumulated. And he ended up with 128 points, uh, in his words, with mostly Picaram in those tournaments. So... JW, what are your thoughts from there? You know, now we have kind of a a sense of what people might be able to achieve, what the baseline might be. Uh, obviously, Ian Rob, an exceptional player, I think he's definitely going to do better than the majority of people in the Players' Cup. Um, what do you think this knowledge kind of means? Where do we go from here? Sure. Um, well, I was thinking before the tournament started, you know, that, well, we were just doing that calculation, right? So, like, if you just... Um, flipped a coin for every round how many points would you expect to get and we were just figuring that out and it's just shy of two it's like what were you saying 1.8 or something so that would just be like you know if you were flipping a coin again like you were saying okay i enter 50 tournaments and then round one i win this time and then i lose and then i win and then i lose and then whatever and then your bracket goes on so you'd expect to get about two points if you were just doing it random so of course there's some skill in the um, you know, there's some skill that you need to. <laughs> some, skill. <laughs> some skill. Oh, jeez. There's, <laughs> there's some deck choice and and some metagaming that you need to account for, and obviously the better players are going to do generally better. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, I mean it's it's something that you're looking at him finishing with 128 points, and that is it feels very safe to me because that is above you know that kind of. 2.5 threshold uh, return per tournament key, right? That'd be points per tournament key above 2.5. Uh, and that would be what I would consider a great kind of threshold, like average, right? You know, you, you, no, you definitely. definitely are going to have those bad hands in the first round where you're going to lose. Um, and you're definitely going to have those spikes where you just get really lucky and your opponent misclicks and you win the term. But um <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that is that is really strong. I was kind of figuring before the whole Players' Cup started that we'd be between 90 and 110 to qualify. That felt like a really good number. Again, kind of going back to that little bit of randomization, like if you just were random, like a little <laughs> bit above that would be enough to get yourself into the, uh, the second part of the competition. And, uh, you know, Ian, again, player I respect player that uh, is very good and to hear that he finished with 128 points i think that that's you know gonna be about the high end of like the what the cutoff could be no i definitely think ian rob is finishing on the higher end here uh we were talking through kind of what that 128 you know means it represents um and that suggests that more often than not ian rob was in the finals of a tournament um, yeah. And so to me, I think if you're more often than not ending in the finals, that should suggest that you're going to make it. Um, yeah. The counterpoint, though, I always have whenever people are talking about players' cups is, uh, you know, we don't really have any metrics for what this is going to look like yet. Um, you know, we're pretty early on. We don't know yeah. 
what the leaderboards are looking like. We don't know how many people are actually actively trying, which will, you know, I think that's going to be the real factor and what the sure. qualification bar is, how many people are actually trying to get it. Um, regardless, I, I think Ian Rob definitely has a performance that'll get him into that next stage of the Players' Cup. Um, and I think if you're just going, if you have to rough estimate it, um, the calc that we ended up with, um, and I can even just multiply that by 50 here, uh, yeah, we're looking at like 94, 95 points is that kind of average performance if you were to flip a coin every single round. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that seems reasonable to shoot for. I think if you're above 100, above 110, then you should be fine. Um, right. You know, it remains to be seen, but, and I, you know, don't let me prescribe your player's cut for you. Um, right. I think ultimately, <laughs> try your best, try your hardest, learn from your mistakes, and you'll have a good time, you know, don't, yeah, it, don't force the mm-hmm. issue. <laughs> yeah. And this is again, us, like we won't get a very solid speculation on, um, what final results would be. Um, there's a lot of different ways to approach the player's cup as we have talked about, uh, on the last podcast, but you, um, you know, if, if you're sitting here now and you're, you know, maybe under that threshold, you know, again, that, that kind of two points per tournament threshold like it, it might be a good time to to uh, reevaluate maybe your deck choice or just kind of take a step back and and see how the players cup develops in terms of what the point totals will be like at this point we only have one data set and um it could go a lot of different ways for sure so approaching the players cup um you've played in a couple of the <clears throat> events i myself am still uh, 50 out of 50 on my keys um, looking at starting this weekend um, yeah is there anything that you've noticed any trends that you'd recommend uh, following decks that are seeming to be more popular than average um yeah i mean it it's been frustrating for me i i won't uh, i won't lie let me kind of recount here i have my tales of my woe workbook um <laughs> i mean i've i've played exclusively lucario melmetal and ADP with ADP being a majority. I've played 13 tournaments so far. I have 16 reps. So that is um, very clearly not, you know, on pace with where I want to be and where I think that I need to be. And that's just me, you know, saying that straight up. And um, I've certainly had some some bad losses uh, in terms of having just unusable starting hands. Um, and it's And it's making me kind of consider, okay, where do I want to go from here? Do I want to continue on this path? Because there is this kind of long form um, thought where if you just play a deck that you are confident in and you play it for long enough, like your results will kind of buff out and you'll see yourself sure. on the, you know, kind of higher end of things. Um, but at the same token, like 13 tournaments in, I feel as though I have a pretty good um, amount of data that I can use to make a more informed decision on what I want to play. And so uh, it, it might be time for a change or it might be time for just like adding a few texts or something into the ADP uh, or Lucario Melmetal to kind of help with what I've been seeing. So one deck that I've very easily taken the most losses to uh, has or have, have seen the most in the tournament, and this is not a shock to anyone, but is ADP. There's been a lot of mirror matches. Uh, there have been a lot of um you know people playing adp in these tournaments and for good reason because it's just super consistent and you know you don't you don't need me to to say why people are playing adp but um it has absolutely been the deck of choice for many players and 
I don't blame them. Yeah. Is there any other big trend? I mean, I've everything I followed has kind of suggested ADP has been all over these tournaments. Um, any other major showings? Major showings? Um, can't say that there have been. Um, you have things like Sent to Scorch that I've seen. Uh, you have things like uh, uh, Blacephalon I've seen a couple of times, but for the most part, it's been ADP pretty much. You know, I- I've seen ADP once a tournament, probably on average, <laughs> which has been pretty ridiculous. That is pretty insane. So if you were to make a just a deck recommendation off the top to someone who's listening right now and just has no idea what they want to play, what would that safe pick be? Would it be ADP? Yes, uh, <laughs> it would. It would. I mean, I, I don't want to like, you know, <laughs> I think it is like the best deck and it can, it can beat anything, right? That's the, that's the kind of um, thing that you want. It's consistent. It can beat anything. Um, and it ends the game like rather quickly. Like there's not a ton that you have to like worry about in terms of misplaying. Like the, the games are very cut and dry, very straightforward, you know? Um, so uh, for those reasons, like of course ADP is going to be a great choice. And then, you know, you look at something like Lucario Melmetal that could have some viability. You look at something like uh, decks that would have a good ADP matchup you know, potentially something like if you are confident in your sense of scorch, which I am not, but if you were confident <laughs> in your sense of scorch, um, that some people would argue has a decent ADP matchup as well as having a decent Eternatus matchup. But Eternatus, I really haven't seen that much. Do you think all. that's because people don't think Eternatus is the deck of choice or they're maybe just opting I, for ADP? I so? don't know. I, I'm really kind of scratching my head. I've seen Eternatus, I think, one time over 13 tournaments, one time. Um, so I, I really don't know why that, uh, two times, two times, uh, yeah, yeah, two times over the course of 13 tournaments. And I just, I can't quite put my finger on why, um, certainly seems like kind of an outlier there that not a lot of people are playing that deck. Yeah. That's definitely interesting. I would have expected yeah. a, a fair amount of a turn of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like a deck that can hold its own against ADP. Of course, getting that, uh, getting that knockout there on the second turn on the ADP is, is extremely good. Um, but I just haven't seen it. It's hard to say why. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and to be fair, like the meta of the player's cup will more than likely constantly warp and evolve as, uh, people play it. And even, even things that's like the time of day that you're playing might inform the kinds of decks that you're seeing as like different players from different areas pop in and out. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I, I think too another trend that I've personally been um, seeing is like, it's it's hard or I think it's easy with, <coughs> excuse me, I think it's easy with a deck like ADP to just play a very consistent like vanilla list, like you don't really have to do anything too crazy. Uh, <laughs> with ADP, right? You can just play the four boss. You know, you, the, maybe the craziest decision you have is like, do I want to play four, um, crushing hammer for turbo patch or for catcher in my list like that's kind of the the sauce right? what what coin um, am i but, flipping today what's that what coin am i flipping today yeah what coin am i flipping or all of them if, if you like to be crazy like riley um <laughs> and so you know that that's that's kind of a comfort of adp2 is like the deck is just built in a way that you don't really have to even think about techs um whereas a lot of the other decks you have to really think about you know, particularly 
Lucario Melmetal. Like you could play a very straightforward list like Andrew played at the Full Grip Online series last night, which didn't include things like um, Mewtwo to recycle your supporters. Didn't include anything like weakness guard energy. Didn't include anything, um, you know, no orangaroos or anything. Just it, it was very consistent, very straightforward. Do you want to go with something like that, or do you want to have things that can counter your bad matchups? Um, you just don't have to think about that with a deck like ADP. I think that's pretty, um, pretty appealing. To a <laughs> I lot mean, of it sounds good to me. Yeah, <laughs> not having to think <laughs> is definitely a plus. Yeah, I mean, you know, and. <laughs> And it's like, at the end of the day, like this tournament is, it's a weird one, you know, it's <laughs> online. So you're not playing against one metagame. You're playing against like 50 individual metagames. Um, you know, it's not a one day tournament with everybody. Uh, it's just, it's a weird thing. So like as much advice as I can give or that we can give, you know, just, just take it with a grain of salt, match it up against what you've been seeing. And then... And then just give it your best shot. I do want to say, too, <clears throat> I just released a, a video on, on YouTube about some things that we were talking about in terms of anxiety related to the Players' Cup. I think it's pretty natural to have that kind of anxiety with this kind of event because, you know, you put a lot of emphasis on each of these individual tournaments. And that can be very taxing, right? Because yeah. you, you have a total of 250 points. Like, ideally you finish the the players cup 2 with 250 points easily securing you know your your spot in the next phase but um there are just going to be those times where you dead draw against a great matchup or you uh you know misclick or you know sometimes like your your computer will time out or something like that something <laughs> you know out of your control um i talk in that video just a lot about keeping everything in perspective and doing the things that you can control and then maybe not so much worrying about the things that are out of your control, like the matchups are really out of your control. Um, but the things that are in your control, the in-game play and your deck construction are things that you can, you know, try to work on in the future. Yeah. And I, I think you, you said this in the video, um, but if I could give any advice, it's, you know, play what you're confident in, play what works for you. Uh, take notes on your games, see where things are going well and going poorly. Uh, you know, just have good fundamentals, you know, make sure your sequencing is good. Take notes of areas where you're maybe not doing it as well. Um, check your prizes at the start of the game. It's as easy as it can yeah. possibly be when you're on TCGO, um, especially on those early turns. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, take every tournament as an individual step put your all into it take the learning experiences that you can out of it and apply it to the next one and i think even if you don't qualify you'll get something valuable out of that right um you'll become a better player at the end of those 50 tournaments and by players cup three which you know is strongly implied to exist uh <laughs> you know maybe that's the one for you <laughs> yeah i mean for sure for sure i mean it certainly doesn't feel like this player's cup is going to be the last one i mean that's another important thing to keep in mind because i think a lot of players you know, we, we want that more so in, in, you know, Pokemon than I think a lot of other games. Like I look particularly at magic, like people play Pokemon primarily for the cloud. Like there is this monetary prize on the line of being able to travel to a, you know, an international championship of your choice. But realistically, 
you're trying to do well because you want to prove to yourself and you want to prove to the world around you that you're a good player and that you deserve to have, you know, accolades and people look up to you, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, that is the biggest thing. And just kind of getting caught in that can really lead you down some dark paths. You know, it can really lead you down some very uh, destructive paths where you're kind of, you know, you lose a tournament and you're like, well, you know, I'm not good enough. And that's absolutely not true. Like these, again, are kind of crapshoots in the sense that it's a best of one. So it's a best of one where you don't know your opponent's deck list. So, you know, they could just come out with, you know, some tech or some card that you just weren't expecting. I've definitely (laughs) had that happen. Uh, to me or you you know lose the coin flip in a matchup where you want to go in a particular turn um and it just it's a crapshoot at the end of the day so please 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 take anything from this discussion on the players cup two is don't place yourself worth in how well you do at these tournaments because that can be very very destructive yeah at the end of the day you know play because you enjoy it and play in the way that you enjoy it i think is yep the, the message that we can drive home yeah, sure. As sure. as we wrap up today, if anyone in the live stream has any questions, you can feel free to leave those. We'll answer a couple of them before we sign off. As always, we appreciate your support. If you're listening on iTunes, feel free to leave a review. It really helps us out, makes us move a lo- up a little bit of the tiers in the algorithm so it's easier to find us. Um, we love algorithms. We love the algorithms. We're very algorithmic here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes us easier to find and makes us able to better provide more content to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, um, just while, while we're on the, the topic here, um, or I'm going to go back to the topic. I, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, if you're the fun aspect of the player's cup is like, I was finding myself, you know, I had gone on, I've been on, let's see over the course. Again, I, I disclosed my, um, my my point totals but there was a time where i had like lost three in a row in the first round to like <laughs> very winnable matchups and i just either had a dead hand or you know missed a turn in some cases i like you know intrepid sorted three times and like i just needed to hit one card and i just didn't do it you know it's just like those frustrating frustrating games where it's like i should have won you know there's a one percent chance that i lose and uh, it still happened but um in any case being able to step away from the game, I think is a really nice thing. Like avoiding tilt is something that you can do. I generally think pretty easily in these online players cups. So if you find yourself getting into these tournaments and, you know, maybe you're on a losing streak and you're finding yourself getting really frustrated and annoyed and angry at the game, just take a step back. Like it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, It doesn't have to be so cutthroat and harsh that you're, um, getting mad at the game. I think that can be really destructive as well. So just avoid that tilt there and, uh, and, and step back like, like I've been doing, you know, I was like really gung ho, really trying to go for it. Um, ended up, you know, having that, uh, little streak of bad luck. And I was just like, okay, you know what? It might be better if I just waited a week and came right. back to the player's cup. And that's the out. thing, right? That's the thing about the way this tournament is going is like you can always just step back and do it another day unless yeah. you're like actually at the end of the, the timeline there. Yeah, because at, at the point that it's not becoming fun, like you're going to make more mistakes. You're going to be tilted. For sure. Um, it's just you're, the mistakes are going to compound on themselves. So don't put yourself in that position. 
for sure. We got a couple questions in chat, so we'll get to those before we sign off for the day. We got Loser R Loser Us asking, what do you think of Salamence? <laughs> kind of touched on Salamence earlier. Uh, not really a deck that I would play myself, but it's super, super cool. Um, and that isn't really a demerit to the deck. I think it's actually pretty decent um, in terms of the the more niche VMAX decks. I think it stands up pretty well, and I really enjoy the spread aspect of it. Mass Dave says, and this is a good question for you, Riley, and I mean for, for both of us, but uh, I majorly threw a game last night at the Full Grip Online series, just had to sit back and laugh at myself, try to stay positive. Do either of you have any funny stories of throwing a game that was basically unlosable at a tournament? Do you have any of those times, Riley? <laughs> That's such a, you're asking me that in such a leading way because you know the story that you're thinking of. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, yes, I did have a game that was in a completely unlosable game state if I played it out completely normally. <laughs> and I just got very confused in the early game and I accidentally tried to set up for a new game by picking up my prize cards. And so I got a double prize penalty <laughs> for seeing my prize cards. Um, it was just a mess. It was just an absolute mess. Um, so, yes, I do have a situation like that. It was at a real tournament in a real location. Uh, <laughs> it was it was horrible. Absolutely yeah. awful. Uh, yeah. it was, it's very funny, though, like looking back, that happened. Uh, you yeah. know, like what kind of moron picks up their prize cards midway through a game? <laughs> I know, right? You have to be so stupid to do that. Um, but, you know, makes for a good story. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure, yeah. Um, I had one that it just sticks out most to me. I, I don't know why it sticks out most, but it's just like I always remember this play where it was – I was at this – it was at a League Cup. Oh, no, I have a better one, actually. <laughs> I have a better one that I could share. I have okay. two. Okay, so – but no, I just – I'll cut the – I have a better one. Okay, so this is top eight of a regional in like 20 – 15, I want to say 2015, 2014, 2015, 2016. That, you know, that they all just run together. Um, anyway, top eight of a regional, playing against a good friend. I'm up 1 0 in the series, uh, playing Dark Ride Garbodor. They're playing Verizian Genesect. It was in like, it was that kind of weird period where it was you played standard and then you switched to expanded or something for the second day. Um, and so. I had this state where I was just, I needed to attack into um, this one. I made kind of a bad play, but I could have just remedied it, remedied it by just attacking for the knockout. Instead, I announced the wrong attack. <laughs> and so I had to perform the wrong attack, which didn't get the knockout, which tilted the prize trade. It was with Absol from Pl Plasma Freeze, and there was one attack where it just is like, it counts the number of, I think, opponent's bench Pokemon and does like yeah, damage based on that. And then the other one looks at the opponent's hand. Well, I had enough energy to complete the attack that looked at the opponent's hand, and I accidentally said it out loud. And then my opponent, you know, well, I, I was a little tilted at this because <laughs> they started to move their card to the discard pile but then they realized that I said the wrong attack, so they put it back in the active and then showed their hand. And I was like, bro, you know, you know what I meant? Like, hey, can you, you know, can, <laughs> no you, can you move that? Like, I'll, I'll take my prize. And then um, and he's like, no, you said the second attack. And I was like a little bit tilted because it, 
yeah, it was just against a really good friend of mine. And uh, I was like, man, how could you do that to me? And uh, uh, I mean, you did and to yourself. I, yeah, and we, you know, and I, I almost like, yeah, it, it, that was a really trying time, actually. That was probably the saltiest I'd ever been in a tournament. Because um, <laughs> I just say that, you know, anyway, I lose that game because I make that stupid misplay. And then I go on to lose the second game and like I get bumped out of cut. And that was a tournament I legitimately thought I could have won because I, I was kind of like, I had a decent matchup, a really good, well, a good matchup in the next round, and then it would have been a mirror in the finals. So uh, it was just really frustrating to kind of punt that one away in top eight. You know, actually, I want to build off of that. Um, the worst part about the fact that I lost that game where I picked up my prize cards, and to be fair, you probably should lose a game where you pick up your prize cards by mistake. Yeah. Um, but it's a double prize penalty, you know, where they have to take two less prizes to win or whatever. Um and the only reason I actually lost was because I unnecessarily benched an execute and they <laughs> KO'd the execute with the only Pokemon left in their deck that could attack and it only did like 50 damage. <laughs> so, oh, that's so that, sad. That was actually the worst part of all of that is if it just didn't bench the execute. You know, it's one thing to be so stupid that you pick up your prize cards, but then to continue to play bad for the rest of the game is, yeah. is so tilting. Yeah, that's horrible, man. <laughs> I feel so bad. Funny. Well, I think there's no better way to wrap up than by reviewing our failures. <laughs> so thank you all so much as always. Uh, do rate and review uh, on your podcasting platforms and we will catch you next time. Peace. See you guys.